gives us grace each and every morning, each and every day. And, and for that grace, we, we need to be thankful and we need to give him praise. Today, I just want to speak and continue from where I, I stopped last week and, and just take it, take it further, further on. And I want to start off by saying a statement that was made by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, and, and he, he was a, a, a theologian in the Nazi times and, and in, in his times he was quite an influential, uh, influential person pushing, pushing people not only to look at the Bible but pushing people to be able to, to go deep into the Bible, find faith in the Bible. And one of the things that he says is that for faith is only real when there is obedience. Never without it. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. Faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. You cannot say, I have faith and be disobedient. You cannot be disobedient and say, I have faith. That was what he was saying. And he was talking about faith in the broad sense of our belief in God, our trust in God, our hope in God, and that as we give our lives to Jesus, as we give our lives to the living God and say, Lord Jesus, take your place, have your place in my life, I surrender to you. He's saying that in order for you to be able to say, I have faith and I'm living in faith, there must be, dis there must be obedience. There must no longer be disobedience to his word and to his instruction, but there must be obedience. There must be you following his word and living according to his word. And he, he said, you know, if we're going to be able to look at faith, we cannot separate it from obedience. Amen. Amen. And today I want to speak to us. As much as I said last week that, you know, your faith must not be blind. Your faith must be based upon a word. And we, we talked about some ways in, for us to be able to receive a word from the Lord. When you have received a word from the Lord, you will need to have obedience to it. So to release your faith, obedience must come in. And I want to speak to us shortly about the obedience of our faith. Amen. You must have you must have obedience. You must desire to be obedient. You must desire to follow the instruction of God, the instruction of Jesus. And then through the act of your obedience, we will see your faith. You can see those that are trusting God by the things they do. Those that trust God will live according to God's word. And they will base their lives upon God's word. And you see that their life is based upon God's word by obedience. Amen. Amen. Do you want a simple definition for obedience? It is following instruction. That's obedience. Obedience is following instruction. You get an instruction and you do it. And you are said to be obedient. Amen. And I want you to keep in mind that sometimes instructions that you will get from the Lord are not always as you want them to be. And this is where a lot of us failed in the place of obedience. Because we don't like it when the instructions we are being told 
go against what we want to do. Am I speaking to someone? When things go contrary, so when they say drink water and you say, but why should I drink water? It becomes a burden. And, and it becomes a struggle. When they say sit here and you want to sit there, it becomes a struggle. And that's where you begin to see the obedient and the disobedient. I hope you didn't sit in a place where they were saying don't sit. You understand what I'm saying, church? So simple, in simple definition for obedience is when you follow instruction. We can talk about how instructions are followed, whether you can challenge or not challenge, and, but at the end of the day, obedience is seen by your obedience to instructions. I don't get a lot of amens for those kind of things. <laughs> God will bless you. You get a lot of amens. Follow God's instruction. Follow God's instruction and you will get blessed. Follow Jesus and you will be blessed. Don't follow Jesus and you will not be blessed. Don't do what God says and you will not be blessed. Our faith must be followed up and backed up by our act of obedience. Amen. And I want to use an interesting scripture that's been upon my heart. Let's go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Is, is it my mic? Oh, okay. John chapter 2 and, and verse one, 1 to 10. I may not dwell on all the aspects of that scripture, but I want to just pinpoint and just make sure you get it in the right context. So here is a situation where Jesus performs his first miracle. And in John chapter 2, uh, verse, verse 1, it says, On the third day, on the third day, a wedding took place in Car at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. It's an interesting way to say they were all there at the wedding. It's, it, but I leave that for another day. Yeah. But at the end of the day, all of them were there at the wedding. But the one who was really there was who? Jesus' mother. <laughs> All right, verse 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. It's not a justification to drink. Amen? amen. Ah, the amen is weaker. <laughs> All right. Drink water, yeah. You know. When they have, no, when they, they have no more wine, said said Jesus' mother to Jesus, and Jesus says, "Woman, an interesting way to call your mother. Don't you dare do that." He says, "Woman, why do you involve me?" Okay, let's 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 go for Plan B. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. So Jesus' mother is the one who is at the wedding. And, and she is really in, involved in the wedding. But Jesus happens to also be there. And as Jesus is there, 
his mom realizes that, you know, my son is special. He could make something special out of this occasion where they have no wine. You know, when your life is running dry and there is no, nothing sweet in your life, when things are not going the way they should go, when the wedding starts to become crazy and the studies don't seem like they are going to end and the marriage seems to get bitter and you don't like it, it's very good if you have invited Jesus beforehand because perhaps he might be there at your hour of need. Amen. Either, my, either, either you guys are asleep but, but, but it's important to have had Jesus at this wedding, at this particular moment, because yes, sometimes things don't go well. Sometimes you need something that's going to tell you to drink water. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? And in this particular situation, Jesus says, you know what? I am here, but it's, my time has not yet come. However, his mother turns to the servants that were around. And says to the servants, says verse 5, do whatever he tells you. Everybody say, do whatever he tells you. He says to the servants that were there, whatever he says you must do, do it. Do whatever he tells you. And I, and I, and, and when is, I think she then just left and went back to be part of the guests. Because remember, she was at the wedding. He happened to be around, but she was at the wedding. So she says, do whatever he tells you. And she goes back to where she had been sitting. And nearby, the Bible says, stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now ceremonial washing, the water that normally went into these gallons was not meant for drinking. It was water to wash and normally to wash feet. So as people went into the ceremony at the wedding, this was the water that you would take to wash their feet so that their feet would be clean as they go. So it was ceremonial washing. It was the water they used to make sure their hands were clean and that they were not with all the sweat before they entered into the venue. So that's not water for drinking, but the pots were there. And the Bible says, Jesus says to them, Fill them up, go to verse 7. Fill them up with water. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. Everybody say they filled them to the brim. The instruction was, do whatsoever he tells you. Jesus tells them to do something and they obeyed. That's an act of faith. They obeyed because normally if you want to make wine, you don't fill your pot with water. The process of making wine does not start by looking for water. Who has ever made wine here? Come on now, I know you have. You don't start by looking for the water. What do you start by looking for? You, you look for the grapes or the fruit. You look for something to ferment. And then when you have it, you say, where is the water so that I have the matrix for my fermentation? Amen. 
I've, I've been to some wineries, and they will tell you the water, we get it from far away. Why do they have to bring the water from far away? Why? Because here where we have the press is the best place to get the right temperature for our barrels. After, and the vines are just behind. But the water is coming from far away. Why? Because when you're making wine, it's not the water that you want. It is the grapes. It is the fruit. But the instruction is, you are out of wine. Fill the pots with water. And I want you to realize, I was telling you about these pots where the pots for water for use, used to wash the feet and wash you know, the body, make people clean. Why doesn't Jesus say, go and take the pots we use for drinking water and fill those? If I was one of the servants, I would have said, but master, we have some empty wine bottles. We have some empty wine barrels. We have better pots inside. Besides, the wine had run out. So I'm sure there were enough empty jars there. But Jesus says, fill those pots over there, which are not normally used for wine. Fill them with water. The next instruction is a bit more puzzling. Because he then says, come on guys, now that they are full to the brim, thank you for being obedient. You know, some of us struggle just to fill with water. We have so much calculation and so much so much reasoning. So when they say, go, go this direction, we'll say, but pastor, don't you know that Albert Hein is that direction? Have you lost your direction? No, I said go this way, but you want to go that way. So we struggle at the first instruction, but praise be to God, these guys obeyed the first instruction. So they fill it up with water. And Jesus then says, now take a cup, fill it with the water from the jars, draw from there and take it to the master of ceremony. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was one of these guys, I would have said, I don't know what, what Mary was thinking about to ask us to talk to Jesus. Besides, Jesus is a carpenter. When did he start making wine? We know this guy just making wood. If we were saying we have run out of chairs, we should have gone to Jesus. If we had said we, you know, we, we, we need, we need some, something to be, to be made for us to sit on, he would have been the right guy. But now he tells us to fill the pots for washing feet with water. When we are saying we have no wine, now he comes and says, now take the wine cup. And take the water from the pot. And the next instruction is, go and give it to the wine bearer. If you were me, you would say, by the time I give the wine bearer this cup, the wine bearer has to drink. No, that is what would happen. If you reason like me, I would be thinking, normally the washing, ceremonial washing pots are not where you want to even drink the water you don't want to drink that because normally they are taking out washing somebody's feet chances are they might even be getting dirty from that and you dare not touch the feet of someone do you know why this is why those those pharisees reacted so badly when when another mary came and started washing the feet of jesus 
They, and they, she was using her hair. I once prayed for somebody who comes from the Arabs, Arab region, when they were, had a demon manifesting. And most of the time, there was somebody there trying to prevent her hair from touching the ground. And I'm saying, I'm more concerned about the demon. They are more concerned about the hair must not touch the ground. So they were busy trying to put back the head, but snake, demon, whatever it was, shake up your head. And they were trying to keep the hair from touching the ground. So I know what it means. By the time that woman was washing and drying Jesus' feet with her hair, you dare not do that. That's taboo. You do not do that. Now Jesus says, now take that water and go give it for somebody to drink. It sounds cruel. Are you still with me, church? But the mother has said, whatsoever he says you must do, do it. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. So the servant takes the cup. I'm sure he must have, his stomach must have been going up and down. Gives it to this master of ceremony. If I were him, that servant, I would have quickly run away. Just in case this guy would drink and over your face. Because I'm thinking the water from this pot is not drinkable anyway. But because Jesus has said, oh, that's the part that I love. Because Jesus has said, you know, he doesn't look like the right husband. But because Jesus has said, he doesn't look like the, oh, my God. Am I speaking to someone? He doesn't look like the right supervisor, but because Jesus has said, work with him. You know, it was one time I was working with an old man. I was more educated than him by far. But because you get something that says in your spirit, in the time of prayer, serve under this man. Because Jesus has said, even when he told me, young man, you're going to take this piece of paper, just walk to the factory and give it to people in the factory. And you look and you say, say, I am more senior than you in this position. But because you have said it, there was something. And you know what? After those years of training, 1999, 2000, years of training and an old man, I know how to work with old men. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying, church? Because Jesus has said, this is the way you are going to go. Because Jesus has said, this is what you're going to do. Because Jesus had said, this is how you're going to live it. Because Jesus has said, this is the course you're going to take. Because Jesus has said. I remember when I saw some of you guys, you come here and you're doing your master's and, and you're told you need to do course A, B, C, and D. I remember one of the lecturers was saying course A is really a course you must do. But you know what? It's a tough course. I went back and I prayed. Everybody around me was saying, you must do that course, do that course, do that course. And he says, but you have an alternative. While I was praying, God said, do the alternative. And so when you think everybody else is going to class A, you are going to class E, the alternative. It looked like I was doing something crazy. At the end of the day, I did my PhD because of class E and not class A. Why? Because Jesus has said. Are you with me, church? So here he is. He gives the wine bearer the cup and the wine bearer drinks of it and says, Oh, wow, man, come close to me. He's forgotten the servant. He's looking at the, at the groom and says, you know what? 
you're the best of the best. Most of the people serve us the very best wine at the beginning. But what you have done today, you have given us the best of wine when we thought we had a crisis. Jesus turns your near crisis into hope and into joy, into victory. He can turn your near crisis into a celebration. Hallelujah. He turns the situation that was almost critical into a situation that starts to give you celebration. You have, you have done something spectacular. You know, in this moment, the servant, I'm sure, starts rejoicing. He probably wishes he should just go and start getting more cups and giving to everybody. Why? Because suddenly that which looked like it was undrinkable, Jesus has made it to become drinkable. That which looked like it was unworthy, Jesus has made it worthy. You see, anything that may look unworthy in your life, Jesus can turn it around for your good. But it takes an act of obedience. Amen. It's your obedience that's going to make a difference. It's your obedience to the word. You see, your faith when you say, I trust in God, I believe in God, it's your obedience that's going to make a difference. When you hear God's word, when God has spoken a word, when God has given you a word through those that you're hanging around. Remember I said you need to hang around people that believe because people that believe have a word. When they give you a word, what's going to make that word to work in your life is your obedience. When they said drink water, if you had not drunk that water, if the Holy Spirit had spoken and spoken, but if you had not acted on it, you'd still be having stomach pain today. But it is your act of obedience that changes things around. Hallelujah. If the doctor says you go and drink this medicine, it will make you well. If you don't go and drink that medicine, you will not get well. Yes or no? If they say this one will take the pain away in three days, if you drink it for two days and not the third day, you will have more problems. You will have more struggle. But your act of obedience releases the power of the word of God in your life. And so faith must be based upon our obedience. And faith activates, faith activates the move of God into our lives. And I want you to know and to realize that without obedience, your faith cannot be counted. If you were to look at, at Abraham, Abraham, the reason it was counted to him as faith was because when God said go, he left and started moving. He didn't even know where he was going. But because God had said, go to a place I will show you, he said, okay, Lord, I'm facing this direction. I start to move and you will show me. And you know what? God works like that in so many instances that sometimes you don't know what it's going to be like. But when you start to move, when you start to go, suddenly he tells you, nudge to the left. And when you go left, tells you, now go right. And you go to the right. And he starts to lead your path and take you to the place where you really are supposed to get to. But it has to start off with the first move. It has to start off with the first obedience. You have to put the obedience into action. Amen. Tell your neighbor, your faith needs obedience. And so the banquet that they were having suddenly became alive again. What could have been a sorrowful end? 
to a, to a wedding event becomes a big celebration. Why? Because of an act of obedience. Whatsoever he says you must do, that you should do. Hallelujah. I, I was challenged when I started to look at, 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 at Peter. Because we've been talking about Peter and, and how Peter was trusting God. Peter walks on water. And it started off by Jesus saying to Peter, come. Peter is there in the boat and he says, if it is really you, Lord Jesus, bid me to come. And what did Jesus say? He said, come. He said, come. And what does Peter do? The Bible says Peter steps out and starts to walk towards Jesus. It's just the act of obedience. Peter would not be counted as amongst the one of those that walked on water. There are not many people that walked on water. In fact, when I go through the Bible, I see two. Huh? Do you know somebody else? I know two. I know Jesus and Peter. He walked on water. So next time when people are saying there was only one person who walked on say, no, 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 there are two. There are two. Peter and Jesus. Jesus and Peter. They walked on water. And actually even when they ah, but Peter drowned. Okay, yes, he walked and then started to drown. And then when he cried out, Jesus pulled him out and they walked back together. So they walked, Peter and Jesus. Walked on water, but it started off by Peter coming. Whatsoever he tells you to do, that you must do. I was looking again at Peter and, and the other story that I've been talking about in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus had been borrowed, had borrowed the boat of Peter. And after he had finished with the boat of Peter, he says to Peter, now push your boat into the deep and throw your net again. And Peter says, you know what, Lord? Because you have said it, I will do it. It's an act of obedience. It's your act of faith. Your faith is linked with your obedience. Amen. And your obedience shows your faith. Your obedience shows your faith. And, and obedience is acting upon the specific instructions we get from the Lord. You know, many a times, I, and I want to end on this point, because it's very easy to say I'm a Christian, I follow the Bible, I'm a believer. That's all fine. That's all great. But your obedience is seen much more on the specific instructions you will get from God. It's easy for us to say, yes, I read my Bible every day and I pray every day. But it's what is God saying specifically and how are you responding to those specific things that God is speaking to you? How are you responding to the specific word when God tells you, I want you to wake up at 2 a.m. and call somebody? How are you responding to that? When God prompts you to begin to pray for somebody, are you responding to that and praying? That's where your obedience is going to be seen as an act of faith. When God says, give all that you have and I'll take care of your needs, how do you respond to that? When God says, go out of your way and go and help somebody, how do you, how you respond to that is going to show us whether you believe God, yes or no. When God says, go on a journey that you don't even know whether you're going to come or go, and, but you stay God because you have said, I'm going to go. When God says today you're not going to do it the way you're used to doing it, you're going to do it in a different way. When, are you able? Are you able to trust God in those specific instructions? 
When God says you're not going to work on this subject, work on that one, even though everybody else is saying this is the subject to work on, this is the job to take, how are you going to respond to the specific whisperings of the Holy Spirit, to the specific instructions of, of, of God, to the word that God drops in your spirit through the people around you, to the word that God is going to drop in your spirit as you read his Bible every day? How are you going to respond to that makes the difference for your faith. Can you walk out with God? Say, even if everybody else doesn't follow, I'm going to follow God. Can you go with God even when it doesn't look like the most logical choice? Our faith is called in that moment. And it's going to be seen by the act of our obedience. So if you're going to release our faith, what we are saying is you need to release your obedience. You need to become obedient need to become obedient. I want you to stand with me. You need to become obedient. You need to become obedient. There is the, the hymn that, 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 that obedience is the only way. Yeah? Is the only way. There is no other way. And we're going we're gonna to play that. And, and it's, you can sing that for me, guys. But there is no other way. To walk with Jesus, but to trust him and to obey him. To have faith, and that faith is shown by our act of obedience. When you have to give, and you give what God says give, even though you know he's going to put an immediate an immediate change to your plan because you've given to the Lord, you know that what God says give to me, he will always make sure that he, he repays. You know, it took me some, when I was, in, it, was, it was 1996, 1997, when I got to learn about the act of faith in obedience to paying tithes. I got a student loan and a student stipend and money from my parents. And I was speaking to somebody who said, young man, you know what? The excellence of all that I do is because I've learned to pay tithes. And there I was praying one day, and, and, and I was saying, God, I want to be able to, to come to that level. And God challenged my spirit and says, you know what? Paying tithe is an act of faith. And an act of faith is saying I'm obeying your word. And so I learned to tithe in 1997 <laughs> on a student stipend and loan. And I said, I will not go back to my parents to ask for extra money. God shall provide. And I saw him provide that I didn't need to go back to my parents. And my parents would sometimes wonder, how can you just give your money to the church and say, it's okay. As long as I don't ask you for more. <laughs> because God provides the rest. But it's an act of faith which is an act of obedience to the word that I have. Are you with me, church? Being prayed for <laughs> to receive the Holy Spirit, desired it so much. And the word came and said, you can also speak in tongues. It was an act of faith and an obedience to the word that says, now start to speak. So, but what do I speak? But in faith, I opened my mouth and started speaking something. Ah, the Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost. And I've been speaking in tongues since then. It's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. Coming here was an act of faith. Leaving a, a job and a potential, potential high flyer job. Where you could have looked and said, by now I should have been top in the field. I know one of my mentors said, young man, you will get rich late. But there was an act of faith and an act of obedience. Because God was saying there's a work. So my being here is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. But it is an act of obedience. An act of faith. It's an act of faith. I don't know where you are. But there is a release you need. So that your faith may be tied up with your obedience. Say, Lord, help me to be obedient. Can we sing that song? And as we sing this song, I want you to make it your prayer. And say, Lord, help me to trust you and to obey you. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His world, what a glory sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no Trust and obey, yes, trust and, and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus and to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil here. There's no other way 
to trust and obey. Yes, trust and obey. Oh, there's no one. Just go before the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, help me to trust you. Help me to be able to obey you. May sometimes we struggle with obedience. But we can pray and say, Holy Spirit, help me to be able to obey you. Help me to be able to step above, above the fear, above the challenge, above the things that hold me back. Help me to trust you, God. Help me to trust you. Sometimes we don't progress to the levels we ought to progress to because we, we are failing to trust and we are failing to obey. If we can obey in the small things, God will lift us up to the big ones. If we can obey in the small things, God will open our lives to the blessing that He wants our lives to carry. Oh Jesus, I pray. I call on your name today. Lord, help us, oh God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Oh Help us, Heavenly Father, to trust you and to obey you. For there is no other way for us to be happy in you. There is no other way, Lord Jesus, for us to be able to accomplish the fullness of the things that you desire of us. Help us, Lord, to release our faith in an act of obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. I don't know what Jesus has been speaking to you, but this is my challenge to you. Can you release your faith in being obedient? Whatever He says you do, do it. Do it. Do it. It is your act of faith which is your act of obedience. Trust Him and obey. Amen. While we're still standing, let's take our offering and we're going to give